Hello, Prairie. How are you this morning? Praise God. It's such an honor to be here this morning. I want to thank Mark for uh, the invitation. I think it's the third year now that I'm here with you guys uh, doing chapel. <clears throat> it's very special for me to be here uh, because this was my home for a long time. <laughs> in fact, we left South Africa in 2002 uh, and uh, we came here to Three Hills and I started school here at Prairie Bible College and it was one of the best times of my life. Uh, I had so much fun here. I came here as a married student, came here with two kids, and we left, uh, and we've got four kids now, <laughs> Mark. So, but uh, Prairie just holds such uh, uh, an important place in my heart. Uh, the experiences I had here was just so tremendous. Uh, I think the, the greatest miracles I experienced in my life were, were experienced right here at, at Prairie and in Three Hills. And to come back uh, and to share with you the word of the Lord is just such an honor and a privilege. Thank you so much, Mark. Thank you to the faculty and staff. And uh, I see some folk that I recognize, and it's just an honor to see each one of you. Uh, before we get into the word, I also want to say, you know, when we first got here, you know, when you leave your country and you go to a, a foreign country, uh, you know, it's uncomfortable in the beginning, and you look uh, for that which is familiar uh, just to help yourself, uh, you know, get used to where you are. And when I remember I first got here, and uh, got here in July on my birthday, and uh, we started college in September, and uh, one of the first classes that I had was uh, with uh, 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 Professor John Ibbotson, and then I think also with Steve Ibbotson. And... Uh, I remember him coming to me and saying, hey, you're from South Africa? And I said, yes. He says, man, I lived in South Africa. And, and I think he was actually born in South Africa. And uh, so what I want to say today, I just want to uh, just give my condolences uh, on be behalf of my family. We got to know them while we were here. And uh, uh, God is good. And uh, praise God, we don't want to uh, mourn like those with no hope. And so what, what, what a precious hope that we have that is with the Lord. Praise God. So if you have your Bibles, let's turn to Luke chapter uh, 24. Luke chapter 24. And uh, <clears throat> let me set my timer. I'm known to go over my time, not this time. We'll try and keep it <laughs> to the time. Well, what an interesting subject. Uh, I looked at the different topics that were available to speak on, and I chose this one. Uh, and when I did choose it at the time, <laughs> uh, you know, it seemed very interesting, but as I began to prepare, it began to be very daunting in, in, in terms of its scope and its meaningfulness to us uh, as Christians and as, as children of God. But I mined from this uh, experience of preparing for this so much truth that, man, I just feel so blessed to be able to just open up a little bit uh, of uh, what it is uh, to be a priest like Melchizedek. And we know that Jesus is that priest. Jesus is our priest, the priest after the order of Melchizedek. What does that mean? Uh, what does that look like? And I think more importantly, what does that mean for us um, I also looked at, uh, you guys have been 
looking at this journey with Jesus uh, and the road to Emmaus. It's one of the precious stories. I feel the heart of Christ when he is on this road to Emmaus and he meets these two disciples and uh, he begins to listen to them uh, and he hears the brokenness of their hearts, the sadness that they were experiencing and in his love and in his mercy, but also in his wisdom, he begins to comfort them and he begins to reveal himself and who he is And, uh, you know, they say, didn't our hearts burn while he spoke to us and while he opened up the scriptures? And uh, I want to just maybe look at that quickly and uh, just to lay a foundation of where we want to go to this morning in terms of Melchizedek, because I think even in this experience on the road to Emmaus, there's some things that come out of here that I think are so foundational for what... I would like to share with you. And so if you're in Luke chapter 24, verses 25 to 27, uh, the Bible says, Then he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken, ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all of the prophets, he expounded to them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. I thought that was so powerful. Uh, You know, in 27, if I repeat that, it says, and beginning at Moses and all of the prophets, he expounded. In fact, he saw himself in scripture, opened himself up as scripture portrayed him, which was so powerful. But he said something here. He said to them two things. In verses 25, he says, why are you so sad? And then in Luke chapter 24, verses 45, he says this, 44 and 45, he says, Then he said to them, this is when he meets his disciples, he says, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled, and this is beautiful, which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. These two things that Jesus expresses here when he addresses both the two disciples he walked with and then the, the, the other 11, he says, why are you so sad? And then the second time he says, why are you so troubled? Now I can imagine these disciples that gave up everything, that gave their lives for Jesus, And, uh, you know, they thought that he was going to come and he's going to rule, he's going to reign, and he dies. Can you imagine how sad they were? It seemed as if they didn't quite understand all that he had said to them. And so uh, there's a sadness and there's a troubling that they're experiencing, but the comfort he gives them is found in Scripture. And the comfort that he actually gives them is scripture concerning him and from the prof, from Moses all the way through the prophets and also in the Psalms. My mouth is dry and I think I'm nervous. <laughs> and so it is amazing that he begins to comfort them, but he comforts them with the word. He comforts them with truth. He comforts them with revelation concerning himself. And so You know, I thought that was so beautiful 
Thank God that we have a mediator and the songs were so beautiful because they relate so much to what I'm going to share with you this, uh, this morning. You know, he's this mediator, this priest who cares so much. We live in a world where people are so self-absorbed. We live in a world where people are self-centered. Everyone is looking to themselves. And when you look at Christ, he is so concerned about his disciples He is so concerned about us, the sadness we experience, the trouble we experience, touches him very deeply. The Bible says it like this, that, you know, he is touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He cares for us, you know. The Bible says, cast our cares upon him, for he cares. No one cares like him. No one is touched with our feelings like Jesus And I want to talk to you about this high priestly ministry that Jesus has. The scripture says it's after the order of Melchizedek. And to understand this priestly anointing and kingly anointing that Jesus carries, it's important for us to understand this priesthood of Melchizedek because this Melchizedek priesthood is a picture and a type. It's a picture and a type of the priestly and kingly anointing that Jesus walks in. And I want to know more about that. I want to know more about this mediator that we have between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. This man Christ Jesus that cares so much. What is this priestly anointing of Melchizedek that we can tap into to understand, it, to understand him more and to understand what it means for us. And so we're going to look at the book of Hebrews. We're going to also turn to Genesis chapter 14 as well as uh, Psalms 110. Uh, when you look at this Melchizedek priesthood, it is so rich with content, it is so rich with revelation, but when you look at the picture that was painted, this picture of this priestly anointing that Jesus has, there's very little said about it in the Old Testament, and yet it is so rich. It has so much truth in it. And so we're going to take it from the book of Hebrews, where the Apostle Paul, I believe, who's written the book of Hebrews, uh, he is encouraging Uh, uh, the Hebrew believer. He is encouraging uh, those who have come out of Judaism and who have received our Lord Jesus Christ. But they were, they found themselves in a difficult place. I, I, I have no doubt that their feelings were feelings of both sad, like the disciples were. They were feelings of being troubled, like the disciples were. And just as Jesus comforted his disciples, there's a word that the Apostle Paul, uh, through divine revelation and inspiration of the Holy Spirit, begins to share with them, to bring them back on board. Uh, the predicament that the Hebrews find themselves in is that they were discouraged, they were enduring a great trial, they were contemplating turning away from Christ, uh, they were considering turning on or returning back to Judaism. And the Apostle Paul begins, and this is the book of Hebrews, which is so powerful. If you would sum it up in one word, the word would be better. Better. It's better. What's better? We have a better hope. We have a better covenant. 
a better possession. He speaks of a better country, a better sacrifice, a better promise, a better resurrection, a heavenly calling, a heavenly Jerusalem, a more excellent name, and in Christ everything is better. Why is it that you find yourself wanting to turn away from that which is better? This trial, this affliction that they were going through was causing them to contemplate turning away from that which is superior, that which is better, to go back to what was inferior, to go back to where they've come from. And we look at Paul, Paul's approach to exhorting and encouraging them is this, why go back to that which is inferior? He speaks to the very core of the challenge they would face in walking away. He highlights the supremacy, the centrality, and the preeminence of Christ. And to the Jew, the priesthood is at the center of their belief and their relationship with God. They had no access to God outside of the priesthood. And the priest, or the word priest, comes from the Latin word pontifex, which means a bridge builder. The function of the priest was to mediate, to bring man to God and God to man. They offered sacrifices continually for the sins of the people and for themselves. And the high priest was the only one who could enter the Holy of Holies. The problem is, you drawing back to something far more inferior and you giving up access to God that a far more superior priest paved the way for is troubling. Why would you want to return to something that is inferior? And we find the Apostle Paul throughout the book of Hebrews is speaking about this superior priesthood that Jesus is after the order of Melchizedek. And he's, he's putting and laying this out before the Hebrew uh, believer. And, 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 and it's amazing how compelling this letter is to the Hebrews. Compelling them. Why would you want to turn back from that which is so superior? Why would you, why would you want to go back to that which is old? Not only does he contrast the new from the old, but he reveals God's prophetic agenda in Scripture concerning the priesthood of Jesus. And he unpacks this truth revealed in the life of this mysterious Melchizedek, priest of the Most High God. Now we know, like I said, Melchizedek is almost this, this type, it's this picture of a very short portion that we find in Scripture, very short, it's actually just three verses about this Melchizedek in the book of Genesis, and it's done. And the Apostle Paul is expounding in the book of Hebrews this order of Melchizedek that is a picture and a type of the order and the priesthood of our Lord Jesus Christ. So if you also have your Bibles, tell me to Hebrew, uh, sorry, let's just first do this here. Let's read uh, uh, in Genesis chapter 14. Let's just read the account um, of this Melchizedek in verses 17, Genesis 14, 17 to 20. The Bible says, and the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Shaveh, that is the king's valley 
after his return from the defeat of Cheddar Laoma and the kings who were with him. Listen to this. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine, and he was the priest of God most high. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And he blessed, and blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hands. And Abraham gave him a tithe of all. That is it. That's it in the book of Genesis about Melchizedek. Just very short. King David then in the book of Psalms 110 also expounds on this. And, and in Psalm 110 verses 1, I'm going to read the whole psalm, it's just seven verses. The Bible says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of your strength out of Zion, rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people shall be volunteers in the day of your power and in the beauty of holiness from the womb of the morning. You have the dew of your youth. The Lord has sworn and will not relent. You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He shall execute kings in the day of his wrath. He shall judge among the nations and he shall fill the places with dead bodies. He shall execute the heads of many countries. He shall drink of the brook by the wayside. Therefore, he shall lift up his head. Turn me to Hebrews chapter 7. We're going to take it from there. So the Apostle Paul, like I said, throughout this book, he is making a compelling argument to the Hebrews. Why is it that you want to turn back? And in the wisdom, he begins to speak to them about a priesthood. You see, to the Jew, there was nothing more important in their relationship with God than the priesthood. It was their only access to God. Without a priest to a Jew and to in Judaism, there is no access to God. The priest was this mediator between God and man. He was this bridge builder between God and man. And they had come out of Judaism to believe in Christ and now wanting to go back to that which is restrictive and to that which, which, which confines the relationship with God being expressed through an individual. And we know that in Christ, Christ brings us near to God. Christ brings us in, in, in close proximity with God. Uh, somebody said, uh, brings us into union with God. And now they want you to turn away from that. And so here's the question, how many of us find ourselves on a day-to-day -day basis when trouble comes? The Bible says, in this world, we will have trouble. How many of us, when we find ourselves in difficult times, how many of us, maybe we don't walk away from Christ, but we walk away from depending on Him? 
Depending on this priest, after this order of Melchizedek, this priest who's so near, who connects us to God, brings us into union with God, and we find that we, def- we depend on ourselves. I know I, I'm, I'm challenged with that consistently, where there's this temptation, you know, to trust in myself. What is it that I can do? What is it that my hands can do? What is it that, you know, I am capable of doing? Because times are tough. Uh, we walk away, in a sense, from that dependence on this priest who Jesus Christ is that connects us and brings us into union with God. In Hebrews chapter 7, let's look at verses 1. And I'm going to do a bit of reading on this here and then we're going to make some points and, and draw some conclusions. Let's take it from verses 1. In fact, from verse, uh, chapter 6, verses 20, the Bible says, Whether the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus, listen to this, made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Chapter 7, verses 1. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being by interpretation king of righteousness and after that also king of Salem, which is king of peace. Without mother, without father, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but was made like unto the Son of God, abided a priest continually. Now consider how great this man was, unto unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave the tenth of the spoils. And verily they that are of the sons of Levi, who receive the office of the priesthood, have a a commandment to take tithes of the people according to the law, that is, of their brethren, though they come out of the loins of Abraham, but he whose descent is not counted from them received tithes of Abraham and blessed him that had the promise. And without all contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. And here men that die receive the tithes, but there he receives them of whom it is witness that he lives and he lives forever. And as I may say, so say, Levi also, who received the tithes, paid the tithes in Abraham, for he was yet in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. If therefore perfection were by the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there that another priest should rise after the order of Melchizedek? and not be called after the order of Aaron. For the priesthood being changed, there is made of necessity a change also of the law. For he of whom these things are spoken pertained to another tribe of which no man gave attendance uh, at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah, of which tribe Moses spake nothing concerning the priesthood. And it is yet far more evident for that after the similitude of Melchizedek, there arises another priest who is made not after the law of a carnal commandment, but after the power of an endless life. For he testifieth, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. 
For there is verily a disannulling of the, com- of the commandment going before for the weakness and unprofitableness thereof. For the law made nothing perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope did, by which or by the which we draw nigh unto God. And as much as not without an oath, he was made a priest. For those priests were made without an oath, but this with an oath by him that said unto him, the Lord swear and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And by so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. And they truly were many priests because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. But this man, because he continued forever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. Wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. For such a high priest became us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens, who needed not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifices for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once when he offered up himself, for the law makes men high priests, which have infirmity, but the word of the oath, which was since the law maketh a son who is consecrated forevermore. So the Apostle Paul is compelling the Hebrew believer. Why would you want to go back to something that is inferior? And if the Apostle Paul can show that the Levitical priesthood or the priesthood of Aaron is not as superior as the priesthood of Jesus, then he has a point to prove with them. Why would you want to go back? If the priesthood of Jesus is superior why would you want to turn back? If the priesthood of Jesus is superior than Abraham, your father, why would you want to turn back? What is this priesthood that we, that we, that, 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 that you know, that the Apostle Paul is, is looking at? There's a few things here that I'd like to share with you. First of all, the priesthood of, uh, of Melchizedek, and the Bible says that Jesus is after the order of Melchizedek. He's not comparing Jesus and Melchizedek. He is saying that Jesus is after an order of Melchizedek, which necessitates a comparison of that priesthood with the Levitical priesthood. You see, they weren't going back to the Melchizedek priesthood. They were wanting to turn back to Judaism because the, the, the Judaism priesthood was of such importance to them. But look at the Apostle Paul. Why would you want to go back to something inferior? And he goes to this picture of Melchizedek, which is a picture of Christ. You see, the, the Levitical priesthood wasn't both king and priest. But Jesus was both king and priest. And he, he goes in and he says that, you know, he, this, this, this Melchizedek is a royal priest in Genesis chapter 14. He's both king and he is priest. His priesthood is by a divine oath and his kingship is by a divine declaration and therefore it is not hereditary like the Levitical priesthood. 
He is forever a priest, forever, after the order of Melchizedek. You see, the, the Levitical priesthood came to an end. The priesthood of Christ never ends. Why would, why would you want to go back to something so inferior? You look at Melchizedek has no genealogy, no beginning or end, no father, no mother. Not that he didn't have a mother or there's no beginning or end, but in scripture and its revelation, that's not the point. There's no mention of his beginning, no mention of his death, no mention of his father, no mention of his mother. Why? It's the picture that is being portrayed of Jesus Christ, an eternal priesthood. Eternal, has no beginning. You forever a priest, forever after the order of Melchizedek. It's a superior priesthood. The Bible also says that he is the king of righteousness and he's also the priest of the Most High God. An eternal righteousness. A righteousness that the Levitical priesthood could never confer onto the, onto, onto the people. Could never do it. It, it, it. it was The priest had to offer sacrifices continually over and over and over and over again. And when one walks out of that, as soon as they sin, they're back to square one. And they had to go through these rituals over and over and over again. And the Apostle Paul is saying something here, not with Christ. With Christ, there is a righteousness imputed that is eternal. There is a peace that he gives that is eternal. The Bible says it's not the peace that the world gives. But it is a different kind of peace. It is a peace that comes from a much deeper place than the peace that the world can give you. His priesthood is also universal. The Bible says he was the priest of the Most High God. And I love that when, I think it was three years ago, we were talking about the names of God. And I am, and I am the vine. And I think uh, that's what I shared with you. But here's something here which is so powerful. Melchizedek is priest of the Most High God, El Elyon. You see, the Levitical priesthood, they were under the priesthood of Jehovah. This name that was and is a Jewish name that was given to God because they couldn't mention his name out of respect, Yahweh. They called him Jehovah and Jehovah's portion is his people of Israel. And you'll never find that the priesthood and the Levitical priesthood is the priest of the Most High God. It's the priest of Jehovah, bringing Jehovah to the people and bringing the, the people to Jehovah. But here's something about the, the, the priesthood of Melchizedek. He's the priest of the Most High God, El Elyon, the name that is given and the name of God which speaks about the highest of authority of his and ownership and rulership. And so you look at the Levitical priesthood was centered around Israel. But the priesthood of Melchizedek was universal. He loved the world. And it speaks about this universal priesthood that God, by, by the nature of the fact that he made all things, all things belong to him. It's greater than Aaron. And if you can prove that it's greater than Aaron's priesthood, Man, then you're going you're to have to think twice about where you want to go. 
And then he speaks about Melchizedek. He's greater than Abraham because Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek. And the Bible says that the lesser is blessed by the greater. He presides over a better tabernacle. And he's compelling the Jewish audience, the Jewish people. Why turn back? Why turn back from that which is so superior? For you and me today, how many times do we turn back from the priesthood of Jesus Christ? This priesthood that connects us to God Almighty, who understands. The Bible says he's touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He is forever making intercession for you and I. And we forget, we forget, we forget because life gets tough sometimes. We're living in a world that has changed forever. The pandemic, we've lost folk, we've lost loved ones. Beside that, at the best of times, it can be challenging. Challenging at college, challenging with family, challenging financially, challenging in our bodies. How many of us sometimes begin to depend on ourselves. We turn away from our priest who connects us to God so that we can experience the full blessing of God in our lives. And so if anything that I'd like to leave with you today, don't disconnect. Don't turn away. Don't draw back. You know, Hebrews says, come boldly in to the throne of grace that you might find help and grace to help in the time of need. And so my encouragement to you today is Jesus has a far superior priesthood, not just as a comparison between the Levitical one and the Melchizedek one, but sometimes our own priesthood. We want to be our own priest in our circumstances, in our lives, in our pain, in our distress, in the tough times. We turn away and turn to ourselves. But never disengage from the priest and the king, Jesus Christ, who loves us with an eternal love, who cares like no one can, who can take us through our trouble who can take us through our disappointments as long as we are connected and stay connected to this priesthood of Jesus Christ. Hope you've been blessed this morning. Hope you've been touched and encouraged. I appreciate it, Mark. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you so much.